Sex Ed Speakeasy is not for children. No speakeasies are for children, especially this speakeasy. We will be using very adult language. Very, very, very adult language. Enjoy. This is Sex Ed Speakeasy, the podcast where we take deep dives into the history of sex and even deeper dives into our drinks. I'm Angel Russell, a board-certified sex educator. And I'm Steve Russell, currently watching the third season of Sex Education. <laughs> it's, that is funny. <laughs> it's a good season. It is the best season so far. It is the best season so like, far. I haven't noticed anything like overtly problematic. Like they dropped a few times in the first two seasons. Yeah, I think they have. Um, and I, they maybe always did. But I'm seeing a lot of my colleagues online talk about they have um, like a sex educator on staff who's I mean, like they're, consulting. And they're I, they, dropping some legit names too. Like oh, just yeah. Outright. Like Emily Nagoski. Yeah. yeah. Like read Come As You Are. Like, by the way, you should read Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Um that's uh, advice from the show and advice from this show. You know, I feel like that for any content that Angel creates, that it could be a drinking game for if that is brought up. Just take the a audience drink. audience takes a drink. <laughs> so this is our first episode, and um, it is going to be on, I was going to say the Harvey Wallbanger, but it's not. It's on the handkerchief code. <laughs> <laughs> what's the handkerchief code <laughs> she they say it's what happens when you have too many harvey wallbangers already <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the handkerchief code steve i say in a completely unscripted and unpreplanned way that you guys don't <laughs> they have no idea how many takes we have done already we uh this is the very beginning of the episode and this is the uh two harvey wallbangers already done take of it <laughs> have you already been through two no no, no this is the second one. Oh, okay <laughs> and, and the first one i got to hear and i was like i'm having to like pull the glass up so much i thought the fruit was gonna fall on my face and so That's i funny. just refilled it anyway yeah the handkerchief code the handkerchief code is or is was is it still is it's still in use a uh, popular way for typically uh, gay men in the uh, kink and fetish scenes to be able to signal to each other what type of activities they're into with different color handkerchiefs in their back pockets did i say it started in the 1970s you just did i, I was did. gonna say and it started in the 70s and so that between that and our this show is about the harvey wallbanger which it is not the show is about the hanky code, but that does bring us to our fa favorite segment, recurring segment of the show, which is uh, aperitifs, aperitif, aperitif with Aaron. We're off to a great start. Aaron, Aaron's aperitif. Happy birthday podcast. <laughs> Aaron's aperitif is the part of the show where our mixologist Aaron Leedy joins us to help us make the show's signature cocktail, or I should say the episode's signature cocktail why don't you tell us what you're teaching us to make and uh, a little bit about uh why you chose it i was gonna say that i thought i would start us off with a bang <laughs> oh <laughs> Ooh. oh and 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 they've already figured out what they're cutting okay because because the drink we're gonna make <laughs> is a harvey wall banger you and i know what you're thinking wall banger i haven't gotten consent yet 
but I thought it'd be a good place to start. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm leaving it because we're going to talk about consent on the show too. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I thought of that one in the shower and I was pretty proud of myself. So, all right. So <laughs> this cocktail, uh, you know, it's, that's the fun thing about drinks is they all have their own like mystique behind them and their own traditions and where they came from. And while people think they know, no one's really sure about a lot of them. This is one of them, right? So they say this one may have gone back as early as the early 1950s, but really the first time you ever see it in literature or see it pop any, anywhere uh, was in the early 1970s. So I think it fits perfectly for what you guys are doing today. I agree. I think the era is perfect. So we haven't really so, talked much about what we're doing today, so you can help us uh, get into that a little bit. Excellent. So, yeah, so this drink was big in the 70s, and I know it's one of those drinks that everyone's heard of, Harvey Wallbanger, but probably no one really knows what it is. And don't worry about it being too fancy. If you know how to make a screwdriver, you know how to make a Harvey Wallbanger. Are you saying this is like the Citizen Kane of drinks where everybody says that they've seen it, but no one's actually ever seen it? So I've never actually seen it, <gasps> so... You've never seen a Harvey Wallbanger or you've never seen Citizen Kane? I've never seen Citizen Kane, but I know what Rosebud is. Well, I mean, don't spoil it for the group. It. Yeah. No, for everybody else. Well, you know I'm going to make you watch Citizen Kane now. You should. And now I have a, an inside story I want to tell you, but I'll, I'll tell you after this. Okay. A Angel's, so. Angel's cutting the oranges into like thick rings right now. Should they be holding off? That's for me. Ooh. Oh, oh, That's oh for never me. mind. They're There's another orange. Stop it. They're making a <laughs> right. snack. Don't so, tell on me. There's no camera on. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. Let's start with the glass, though. So I don't know if you know this. But you need a highball glass. I don't know. Do I <laughs> need a highball glass? <laughs> that's, that's only funny if you didn't cut out what, what Steve was doing earlier. No, so <laughs> you can make this in, in any tall glass that you have. I mean, if you've got if you've got a pint glass sitting around, if you've got an old red solo cup. We we have got, we have in front of us right now those like tall, skinny Pilsner glasses. Okay, yeah, totally fine. Okay. It's not gonna so ruin it. Easy here. I mean, not gonna ruin the drink. It's not gonna be a true Harvey Wallbanger, but we're gonna talk about variations anyways. Oh, it's only a true Harvey Wallbanger if it's in. I mean, I mean, we are talking about like historical gay culture here. Should we be calling these then Harvey Wallbang hymns? Harvey Wallbang thems? I mean, Wallbang him. Well, the historical, the history of what we're talking about today is very specific to gay men. To gay men, okay. So, I, I mean, mean, Harvey Wallbangham. Is, so, is, is, is a Harvey Wallbanger served in a Pilsner and glass. And a true, yes, it's a Harvey Wallbanger served in a Pilsner glass. It's called a Harvey Wallbangham. <laughs> That's the only difference. <laughs> the only difference. And I will just say, anybody who's listening that wants us to have perfect cocktail accuracy, please feel free to send us some highball glasses. Otherwise, you're getting what we got in the pantry, which is Pilsner glasses and yeah. champagne flutes. <laughs> So you're going to start with some ice and you can fill it, you know, about halfway thereabouts. And then you're going to be doing now let's go through the entire ingredients. So this drink is three parts vodka, one part Galliano. Now I know that I'm sure there's a right way to say Galliano because Galliano is Italian named after a guy called Giuseppe Galliano. Is there a more Italian name than Giuseppe Galliano? Giuseppe Galliano. No, Geppetto Galliano would be <laughs> more Italian. Okay. So if you can pronounce it right, great. Anyway, so three parts vodka, one part Galliano, and then six parts orange juice. 
So you start by putting the six parts orange juice in with the ice and the three parts vodka. Our math nerds out there are going to be like, why don't you just call it two to one? Well, that's why I wanted to tell you about the Galliano because then you have to do one sixth Galliano. Who can figure that out? So, so we have one of those, uh, what was it? Jigger and pony. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a one ounce and a one and a half ounce. There you go. Yeah. We can use that, right? So, well, yeah. Yeah. You could so do... it's, it's, it's three parts vodka to one part Galliano. To six parts orange juice. So we could just do like two of the big ones of vodka, one of the small vodka. ones of Galliano and fill the rest of the glass with orange juice. And that's close enough. Yeah. So you could do that. But then you would be making the drink wrong. Oh, okay. You got to do the, the orange juice first. You have to mix the vodka and orange juice first. So it starts with that. Okay. Just like you're making a screwdriver. Okay, hold on. I'm, gonna, I'm starting with my ice. So give me a second. So you said I can do about halfway with the ice? Yeah. You should see my ice tongs. They are little pink cat paws. It's adorable. It is adorable. I'll send you pictures. And uh, this is a good time for me to say that if you are looking for pictures, you can head to the Tickle Life Instagram page and you will find, you will see pictures of the drink, pictures of my cute little pink ice cat tong things, pink cat paw tongs, and uh, we'll have the drink recipe posted there and everything else. So tickle.life slash podcast. We'll have all the links. And if you go to the Tickle Life Instagram, you'll see pictures. Do you have a nice long like swizzle spoon that you're going to use to stir this? Or? I have a plastic straw that I'm going to use instead of a swizzle spoon because you can get a chopstick or something. Uh, well, I got this this long plastic oh, yeah, straw long that I think straw. will work. I I did this on purpose because I was looking. For, I was didn't you hear me yell at you from the kitchen? Why didn't you get a swizzle stick? So I'm doing how many parts orange juice? So you're putting in twice as much orange juice as vodka. But okay, so we're going to do orange juice to three parts vodka. I would do four of the large, four of the one and a half will probably get you where you want to be. You were a bartender by trade at one point, right, Angel? Yeah, I was. I was too, but that was many moons ago. Do you remember when you used to come over to my house and drink? <laughs> you mean last week? <laughs> no, I mean like when when we were like growing up and partying a lot together. Do you remember those days? Oh, I do. Of like uh, partying. Are you talking about... The Friday nights that we would go and do line dancing? Yes, yes. We would go a, line dance at the at the country bar. Yes. At a place in Jacksonville that is now a carpet store. Is that what it is? <laughs> We're it so is old. Oh, my God. Now. That is correct. Yes. And we would go line dance and um, try mostly unsuccessfully to pick up women. And, um, well, until I got married. I was married for a minute back then. Right. remember that too yes you were there for that you would drink at mine and my ex's house all right so i've got my orange juice and then i am going to put in i did four big things of orange juice so f how many ounces of orange juice did you do six i did six ounces of orange juice so i did three ounces of vodka right right look i'm so good Which, at math i'm using my degree right so have some fun here do three of the small ones or two of the big it's really up to you so i know that there's I, I'm I'm not traditionally a vodka person. I know that there's like different types of vodka. Does does that matter, or is it, it all just rubbing alcohol? Right. So, it, <laughs> I mean, I would plug a, a local distillery here and tell you to use their vodka, but Do it, it does not. You can plug. Manifest makes a solid vodka. The problem is they make a stellar gin. So, so you're gonna so use make, make yeah make seeds with gin. I'm sure that wouldn't throw off the flavors at all. I don't have any gin. I have Honestly, vodka. If you had a nice, if you had a nice like Florida botanical gin, it probably would work. 
you wouldn't want to go with something that's really heavy on the juniper, but you could probably probably make that work with gin if you like gin more, Steve. We are using Chopin vodka because that is the only vodka that Steve can handle drinking and Galliano and Simply Orange pulp-free orange juice. So if you want to make it exactly how we're making it, you will use Simply Orange pulp-free. And if you wanted to make it how you would in my house, you would go with the extra pulp. Extra pulp, yeah. Well, we I don't like to, I like pulpy orange juice, uh, but just for like boozy drinks, it's the no pulp is more mixery to me. I understand. All right, so I have mixed my orange juice and my vodka. Do I stir? You do. Okay. Here, I'm going to do the stir sound. That's, that's one of the best sounds. Isn't it? All right. Yeah, so we I can have now... sell that as Foley. That was great. That was classic. Right. You get that and a baby laughing going at the same time. <laughs> that's so good. Okay. So I have stirred my, my cocktails. And now what do I do? Wonderful. Now it's time to take your screwdriver and make it a Harvey Wallbanger. So we're going to float one part Galliano on top. Okay, so one part Galliano is one ounce of Galliano. Correct. Based on how we've decided to make it. All right, here we go. I can do this. And is there now, a trick course, to floating? You ba- yes, you have your backward spoon, correct? Uh, I was just about to ask Steve if he could go get me a backward let me go spoon. Get a, let me go get a backward spoon. Yes. They make devices you can have for your bar to do floating. They have that fancy, you know, like spring around the end. Yeah. A fancy name for it, I'm sure. We got like three of them when we, for our house room presents, and then we threw them all away because the back of a spoon works just fine. The back of a spoon doesn't work. You have to kind of bend it. You know it, the though. exact joke I'm going to make right now, right? Can you bend that? What's the joke you're going to That I can only it? find forward spoons. Oh, jeez, babe. So, okay. We're going to float, but it's going to be done poorly because the spoon is way too big. You need the right tool for the job. And I thought Steve was the right tool for the job. All right, it's floating oh, look at a that. little. Floating. It's not floating. It's like uh, slightly integrating. Do so, did you guys have Galliano on hand, or did you have? To we had to go purchase? buy Galliano. I didn't have any of oh. this. It's not something a lot of people keep on hand. I keep Sambuca on hand, which is similar. Galliano has more of a vanilla flavor. Yeah, I like Galliano better than Sambuca. Are we still? Everybody's gonna have to. Add All right, it float. I floated. Yeah, I just had to. It, it's it's a mess. So you're gonna have to pretend I floated. I need a better spoon next time. We'll have to buy things That's, for this. We'll just have the audience add us on Twitter about what spoons are the best. For floating. Yes. Perfect. For floating well, in pills and glasses. This is also the nice thing about the Harvey Wallbanger is you can make a screwdriver in 30 seconds. Clearly a drink of this complexity takes at least half an hour. At least. <laughs> okay. So I've done that. Where's the or- How does the orange garnish go? I brought a fresh Ooh, orange because right? I was eating the other one. So tell me about my so orange. Then we got to talk about garnish. So now... Traditionally, it's garnished with both an orange slice and a maraschino cherry, but not everyone does the cherry. Steve didn't get me cherries. I would have liked so them. You'll you'll see it both ways, and every now and then you'll see it, you know, extra fancy with a a little, you know, mint, or you want to get really fancy some other herb in there. Ooh. But you are usually you just you garnish it with with a, a thin orange slice on the rim. What shape? So again, that can vary as well, but usually it's a full moon. Ah, I was doing fine then, Stevo. They were a little thick, but that's that was more of a coordination issue than a technique issue. Okay, I did it. I you did, did it. it. Those look really good. I'm gonna take a picture of this and put it on the internets. All right. Now, now, have you tried one of these, Aaron? Me personally, yeah. not in a long time. So, why did we pick a Harvey Wallbang him for our episode? 
Well, to understand that, we need to kind of know what the episode's about. So this this episode is about the Hanky Code. And so what what is the Hanky Code, Steve? The Hanky Code is a way in the, mainly in the 1970s, for gay men who were in the kink and fetish communities to signal to each other what they were into by wearing handkerchiefs of different colors in their pockets. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's seeing a little bit of a, a resurgence. I don't know how tongue in chief that resurgence is. Tongue in chief, tongue in cheek. It's seeing a resurgence. I think tongue in chief is a uh, light purple handkerchief with blue polka dots. What color color is a tongue in chief? My cat just made this like quack noise and I thought it was one of my kids and my soul left my body. Sorry. (laughs) I'm glad somebody picked up on my joke. I I think it's at this point that I should point out that um, uh, I had COVID like a month ago. And one of my lingering things is that I can't taste anything still or smell anything. Can you still not taste this? Yeah, no. So it's it, (laughs) it burns and I have a little citrus tartness and I'm sure it'll do its job. It's very tasty. Yeah. It is a very tasty drink. Uh, it's got that like vanilla sweetness from the Galliano. Mm. And so it's like a screwdriver with like a really schmancy vanilla like sweetness to it. Okay. And um, it's a very pretty, very tasty drink. It smells and tastes delicious. And I'm sad that you can't taste it because honestly, I think you would enjoy it. So you don't love it. It's not it, like it, it seems like you're well suited now to enjoy a tongue in chief, though. A tongue in chief. Yes. <laughs> Without, well, I mean, it'd be depending on how you enjoy. I was going to say some people do the tongue in chief because yeah. they like the taste. So this is very true. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the point. OK, so no, I was I was saying that there's been a bit of a resurgence with the hanky code because of covid and covering our faces. And so there's been a bit uh. of a joke of why not just use go back to the hanky code and use your hankies. And I know that the fetish community still uses this. Like, I don't know. There's, we're going to talk about the modern hanky code and we're going to talk about like, this didn't only happen in the seventies, but when we were doing some research, I did see some fun stuff on the crossover between the hanky code and COVID face coverings. And I thought that was a lot of fun. So we'll talk about that a little bit. So yes. Okay. So that's the topic. Yes, darling. I was going to say, you know, what else happened in the seventies? Abba. (laughs) Uh, the Harvey Wallbanger. Ah, uh, swing and a miss. I mean, yes, <laughs> the Harvey Wallbanger. Exactly. The explosive popularity of the Harvey Wallbanger uh, definitely occurred in the '70s. Hence, hence, I just I know I like to picture people. You know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> is that your is, dog? Is that Cody? That is my dog Cody. Hi, that Cody. Cody. <laughs> he wants to I be on the show. He says, yeah. "What's that?" I want to. I, I want to wear say, a handkerchief. I would be adorable. <laughs> I, I'd like to think. I'd like to think that that a lot of the gentlemen in the seventies wearing handkerchiefs could have been doing so while enjoying a nice Harvey Wallbanger. I would like to think that they were. Oh, yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. So we're gonna travel back in time with our Harvey Wallbang hymns, and we do have a wide array of handkerchief colors in the house. But that's because <laughs> we've been putting kerchiefs on the dog and not because we've been doing anything fancier or more fun with them. <laughs> so it's, so not, it's not a way that we flirt with each other. It's not any, I mean, it can be. <laughs> Cody says he approves with the fancy he clothes. So he would also like fancy clothes like Sirius has. So now you'll never I'll think you'll never think of a dog kerchief quite the same way again. Uh, so yeah, on that note, um, Aaron, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to say about the Harvey Wallbanger or the handkerchief code or tongues in chiefs (laughs) or, or ABBA or ABBA? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I think we've really covered it all. And Julie just sets you up for a, a wonderful podcast awesome well, well thank you i know we uh, said it would be five to ten minutes of your time but it's been somewhere between 31 minutes in a week and so, so correct i don't know how much of that's gonna make it to the uh, probably half half that amount of time or less we'll make it's it into that, the show right yes yes we do so but the show comes out this episode will air on october 1st so um you will uh it will seem like we've time traveled um, but on October 1st is when people can hear it. And, um, so that's for your information. So I'll send for you a link. Those of you wondering, it is January 2nd, 1993. <laughs> yes. So Aaron's going to go jump back in his DeLorean. <laughs> there we go. This is the first podcast ever. ever. <laughs> this, this is, this, it's, this podcast, uh, is bring, bringing in the internet to, to everyone, to families everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's right. You can't really have a podcast predate to the uh, the internet, iPod, can you? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, I guess not. It's called a podcast yeah. because of the format. Jeez, <laughs> man, Apple, talk about prolific. Right. <laughs> well, give Cody our love and and Natalie, who is your wife and not the other pet. Thank you. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know what you guys do with your hankies, but um. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're welcome. And on that note. I will let you go, and we're going to end this call and jump into the show. Cool. All right. Have a good night, y'all. Good night, bud. Aaron. Right, let me try that again. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> good night, Aaron. That's the way the cookie <laughs> do I, crumbles. Do I, do I want to end with y'all? I think not. Good night, everyone. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> Gratuities <laughs> to you. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. All right. So now we have our drinks in our hands, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about the Harvey Wallbanger. So the whole way that we're going to do the show is- it's About the hanky code. Jesus Christ. Babe. I'm going to do it again. Babe. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Hanky Code yet. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the Mandela effect. <laughs> do you know what that is? I know what it is. What is it? Oh, no. Mm -mm. You tell us what the Mandela effect is. Uh, it's mass psychosis. <laughs> Son of psychosis is the right word. <laughs> Continue. I'm not a scientist. No, I have, I have no education in uh, theory of memory. No, but, go but ahead. It is like a uh, widespread societally shared false memories. Yes. yes. Uh, like for some reason, there was a glitch in the matrix and there was old code left over. And all of us just remember things that do not exist. That are not a thing. Yeah. So yeah. like it's called the Mandela. Effect. Yeah, it's called the Mandela effect because... Um, a lot of people don't be just believe, but they remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison when he died in like 96 or something like well after he got out of prison. I yeah. should look up when he died if I'm going to say a fact like that. He died in 2013, so it hasn't been that long. He, decide, he died December oh, 2013? 5th. Yeah. December Seems like 5th. yesterday. But yeah, so like there's there's other, even if you don't know who Nelson Mandela is, I mean, read a book, but there's other really popular uh, examples of the Mandela effect. Did, yeah. Did you have so, one? No, I just wanted to ask, of? like, so what does the Mandela effect have to do with the hinky code? Oh, no, we're getting to that. Okay. I'm yeah, listening. We're so, the Mandela effect is so fun to talk about. It is. Because it's it's a lot of my blowing Like my, the one that I still can't get out of my head, like everybody talks about, it's Berenstain Bears, not Berenstain Bears. I always and, said Bernstein Bears. Yeah. 
and everybody talks about Luke, I'm your father, but that's so talked out now. Everybody knows that he says, no, I am your father. And that chartreuse is green and not pink. But so many people remember it being pink. I, I remember it being pink because I feel like my grandmother had bait that was labeled chartreuse. And in my head, it was pink. Bait? Bait, like for fishing. fishing? Yeah. And it was like a chartreuse bait. Oh, okay. And I don't remember. What like flies? Like uh, not flies? like fly fishing, like just regular bait fishing. Like a worm? Yeah, like bait fishing. It was like like this. I, I don't remember all the details, and so some fishermen's like screaming at their at their uh, at their audio right now at their radio right now. But, I like the idea of fishermen yelling chartreuse at their radio. No, I don't think they're yelling at that. I think they're yelling at how I'm what what it what it was for. But oh, it was this okay. bait paste. Oh, and it was like this little chartreuse paste, and I—that's how I learned the word chartreuse. But in my head, it's pink, and it's not pink. No, it's green. Yeah, but in my head, it was pink. And so I don't know how I did that to myself, but yeah, I'm one of the people that thought chartreuse was pink. So my three favorites that still blow my mind are back when we were kids. We're we're elder millennials, so we're in our mid to late thirties right now. And so back when we were younger, I just distinctly remember the fruit of the loom logo being a cornucopia oh yeah and, it's and not. it was not it was never i know there's not a cor- i remember yeah. i remember that too but like remember that that's one of the examples um the monopoly man having a monocle he doesn't he does not have a monocle. you're thinking about mr, mr. Peanut. peanut has a monocle but the monopoly man never in any picture had a monocle okay and then what's yeah. your third one? And that uh, Sinbad once played in a movie called Shazam and was a genie. I, and, I knew that. Because I can see the man in genie pants. Are they um, uh, Jodhpurs? Sin, Is, Sinbad, Sinbad, didn't he play a genie in something? I don't think so. I don't think. We're, we're Googling right now. Hold on, I'm Googling Jodhpurs because I think those are the pants. Yeah, Jodhpur pants. Look at that. Oh, genie pants, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. genie pants are, yeah. But you can picture him in the so vest. He did do. He did later do like a thing. In he did like a Shazam bit in response to this rumor. But no, he never did. It was Shaq. Shaq played well, the genie. Kazam. Kazam and Shaq played the movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just saying that's that's what's in my head yeah. is Sinbad. But it, yeah, I think it's because I've seen so many pictures of this nonsense that i can't get that out of my head even right? though it's a very real example of this <laughs> but now i have my fourth new favorite okay all right close your eyes picture the cover of bruce springsteen's born to run now if you don't remember it's not the one in black and white where he's like super cute and leaning up against a saxophone player no this is the one where you don't see his face he's standing in front of an american flag and his back is turned to you yeah. and it's only his lower half showing and he's really filling out a pair of 501s yeah like in the right way uh-huh. and hanging out of his right pocket is a red what? is it a red handkerchief that's what i think and it's, apparently that's a lot of what the internet thinks is it not a red handkerchief it's not oh what is it it's a red ball cap uh, if you go and buy if you go and search Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run cosplay, like Halloween costumes. It's a handkerchief. I don't know who's going to do that. Half the people are giving a handkerchief. Wow. So when we started thinking about the hanky code, the first thing I thought is that Bruce Springsteen with a red handkerchief out of his right pocket 
meant that he wants a fist up his butt. Fisting is a lot of fun. And so we're going to get to what the hanky code means. So don't go down yes. that rabbit hole too far. Apparently, that is not. the Mandela effect tells me. Even if he was wearing a red handkerchief, it probably wouldn't be a good idea to say that. It'd be a lot funnier if we did. <laughs> but it would be a lot funnier if we did. Yes. So, I mean, I guess we'll get into that more in a little bit. Okay, so let's do this. This is some background. So, so okay, let's talk about the hanky code. Hanky code. So, the, my favorite thing that I learned about the hanky code, and you'll want to, I'm sure, add to this, um, is that the hanky code did not originate in the 70s. I mean, it did, but it didn't. Like the, Not in the 1970s. Yeah, the uh, origins of the hanky code were in the gold rush era in the 1800s. And that was because um, they were setting up all of these camps in the gold rush with people, with prospectors, rushing out to get the gold. And it was mostly men in these camps and these dance hall saloons they would get together to to do the dancing and they had to signal who was going to dance the men's parts and who was going to dance the ladies' parts of what were the popular dances at the time. So men who were willing to dance the male part of the dance would put blue hanker would wear okay, so like cowboys wore a lot of handkerchiefs was how it started. So they had this in their attire already. So it was already popular for them to be wearing them. And so if they were going to dance the male part, they would wear a blue handkerchief because, you know, blue is for boys. Duh. And then if they were going to dance the women's part of the dance, they would wear a red handkerchief. But yeah, so that's where the hanky code started was boys in dance halls. And it turns out boys in dance halls in the 70s said, we really like this idea. But it was different boys. Doing different, different dance halls. Wearing leather for different reasons. Still chaps. Yes, still chaps. No horses. Someone said, well, but not no ponies. I, I, yeah, I don't know what <laughs> color flag that is. but <laughs> Someone someone said assless chaps on the internet the other day. And, oh, man. It's like, put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Let him play, ref. <laughs> that is one of my favorite tirades to go on, just because I get to put so much tirade into one very fun to say sentence. Assless chap, assless chap. Assed chaps are just pants. <laughs> All chaps are assless. <laughs> you don't get to say the word assed a lot. Assed chaps. Where did you get those jeans? Oh, my assed chaps. Yes, my, I got them from Old denim, Navy. My assed denim chaps. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got them from the Old Navy 4th of July sale. <laughs> so when I, when I originally started thinking about Gold Rush era square dancing barns or whatever, I don't know where they danced. My first thought went to when uh, Scrooge went to the when Scrooge was visited by the ghost of Christmas past. So and, not McDuck because I was so ready for a different story. No, uh, the big E Scrooge was okay. visited by the ghost of Christmas past and went to the, the Christmas dance. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's his face? It's Christmas dance. Fezziwig. Fezziwig's Christmas dance. And I was picturing that, but just with all dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not something I usually think about without a handful of loop. <laughs> the Fezziwig Christmas dance with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> okay. So so that was my first thought. Yes. But then anyway. we started watching Deadwood. Yes. And we started seeing real gold rush camps. Yes. And 
my idea of what gold rush dudes <laughs> look like <laughs> so different now <laughs> is not somebody named Fezziwig. <laughs> I don't know. A couple of those guys are some Fezziwig looking motherfuckers, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely, I don't know that the the cast of HBO's anything is going to be historically accurate, but it is going to be like fantasy accurate. Now I just want the cast of Deadwood to star in A Christmas Carol. Oh, I would completely watch Ian McShane, Ian McShane as, as Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, but Timothy Oliphant as... Oh, who would Timothy Oliphant Tiny be? Tiny Tim. <laughs> Not be Tiny Tim. would be amazing. I would watch that every day of my life. <laughs> Suddenly my attachment to Christmas would grow. Uh, because Jason Woods is my favorite Christmas Carol performer. Oh, of all time. And um, this is, so it's a friend of ours who does a one-man show of the Christmas Carol. And if you ever have the chance to see him um, do it, he, he performs in places all over the country. So uh, his name is Jason Woods. And we'll put his info up in the show notes. But anyway, yeah, he's my favorite Christmas Carol. But I got to say, Jason, as much as I love you, if you, if anybody can get Timothy Oliphant to play Timey, t- Timey, Tiny Tim, I, I got to say, I think that's going to top it because how could you, how could that not, how could Timothy Oliphant tops everything anyway? He could top me. Oh, what's the handkerchief code for that? Ooh. Oh, what is the handkerchief code for Timothy Oliphant and who could wear it on the left side? <laughs> Except for Timothy Oliphant. Except for Timothy. He tops like, himself. Like, like, can you, can you even pay for that exclusivity or is, do you have to be Timothy Oliphant? Is he like, the, is he like the Chuck Norris of sexual fantasy? Like Timothy Oliphant tops himself. Oh my God. Could, th- could Timothy Oliphant bottom so hard, Timothy Oliphant couldn't top it? Right. Is that how you would say it? Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay. So, so the, the Deadwood thing, though, let's go back to that for a minute. Yes. So the cast of Deadwood, and which is a mo- an incredibly current and, and um, relevant yes, we cultural should be, reference. Yes, we should definitely spend more time on this. On Deadwood. But no, I, just like a little bit of time yeah. on this. So who is wearing blue and who is wearing red if you are pairing up where's my pen the cast of deadwood all right so i'm gonna write down we got seth played by timothy, timothy Oliphant. we got al swearingen played, played by, by ian, ian McShane. mcshane we got uh uh dan doherty uh al swearingen's uh heavy. yeah i don't know right. who plays him but he's rookie to yeah. yeah uh saul star that's timothy Oliphant's right hand yeah exactly maybe um, literally Charlie Utter, uh, which is played by the guy who played Wayne in Sons of Anarchy. Yep. And then uh, I think the last pairing should be E.B. Farnham, who is the mayor who kind of sucks. He's like the, yeah, they, they made this guy like a patsy. All right. Okay. So we got three pairs here and we're going to do some, uh, some real shipping as the youths say. Okay. So, so who do you, so who do you, I, I'm going to ship Al and Dan. Because, Al and Dan. Yeah. I am. Well, for Dan. Because Dan loves Dan would love it. Al and Dan would bottom for Al. So Dan is wearing our. He's on the. He's wearing his flag on the right side. He is flying his. This is going to make more sense as the podcast goes. He's along. wearing his flag on the right, and he is wearing the. Uh, I don't think Al would. I think Al's got some toxic masculinity happening, and I don't think Al would be willing to wear like the women's colors. So when we're talking about uh, the. Uh, the handkerchief code and all these different colors and everything. I mean, these days there's over 60 colors that are being used by people in these flags, but 
when this became kind of codified in the 70s, it was by a guy named Bob Dameron, and he started off with the original dozen colors. And I think for this particular conversation with Deadwood, we're going to stick with just black because uh, black uh, signified that somebody was into S&M. And if it was they wore it on their left side, that meant they were traditionally the top. And if they wore it on the right side, they meant they were the bottom. So on the left side, they would be giving the sadomasochism. On the right, they would be receiving it. Okay. So I'm going to do my ship again. Yes. Um, okay. So who's my ship? So my ship is Al and Dan. Al and Dan. So Al Swearingen and Dan. Dan is his like lackey right-hand man. And um, Dan is like in love with Al. Dan would do anything for Al and Dan would just trip over the opportunity, I think, to bottom for Al. Mm -hmm. And Dan, Dan bottoms for Al anyway, let's be honest. Like that's their relationship. Dan definitely bottoms for Al. So I'm saying that Al wears his on the left because he's the top and Dan wears his on the right because he's the bottom. And that is my ship is Ann and Dal. And Ann and Dal. Dan and Al. Want another drink? <laughs> So what's left is Seth, Saul, Charlie, and EB. Now, Seth and Saul would be an easy one because they're kind of like the Dan and Al of, uh, I don't know if we should call them good guys, but of the, yeah, we'll just say the light side versus the dark side. Yeah, they're yeah. the they're the uh, rebellion. So that would be a little too easy, but I'm going to say Charlie Utter bottoms for Seth. And... I think part of that is because I do see Charlie kind of like hero worship Seth a little bit on the show. And I also don't want, I don't know if I don't want Saul bottoming, but I feel like EB bottoms for anybody. EB, I would say EB bottoms for all of them. EB yes. bottoms, EB Farnham bottoms for anybody who has any power at all. Yes. And so, he's the mayor. Yeah, he's the mayor, but he has not a lick of yes. authority or power in any way. And so he is horny for power, for people in power, not for his own power. Yeah, no, he, he bought him for everybody. No, I'm in, I'm in. And I think Sal, I don't think he is, I think he's in neutral. Saul. Saul, that's what I said. Saul star. I don't think Saul is, I think he's neutral. Yeah, no, he's on the sidelines. Yeah, I think he, he if, if we had to put him and Seth in, I think he would bottom to Seth, but only because it would be one of these practical, somebody has to be the top types of things. Maybe he's switchy. So there is a flag, the orange flag, which is a really interesting one. Yeah. Word on the left, anything goes. Oh, that's Wh never true. Which is not typically something that we want to condone anybody saying. Because it's just never true. Yeah. You're it's gonna never run into the case something. that anything goes. There's yeah. something that you don't like. Yeah, exactly. But on the right side, it means nothing now, just cruising. Can you imagine getting that confused? Right. So on the right side, it means nothing now, just cruising. On the left side, it means anything goes. That is a really good way to, that's a really very confusing message. And, it, and it's a, it's not one of these like. If you're a, we, a couple of Harvey Wallbangums in, like you're not remembering which is which. You better ask first. Oh, yeah. You better clarify, like, you, like, how does it go, right? Like you pull out like your hanky code, like cheat sheet. Like, I, that's what I want to know. Like, I've never been, and maybe you have more insight into this. I don't know, but I've never been in a situation where I'm in, in the inner circles of the community with gay men, where I get to kind of see like, how do you remember what everything means? And now we have like phones and stuff. So I, I got to imagine that like, 
people are looking these codes up. Yes. Oh, man. I feel like we're really putting the cart before the horse. Uh, oh, okay. On the, but in a way that I really like, because when you're talking about being like a couple a couple Harvey Wallbangers in, pull up the chart. The, yeah. The, the, the modern chart. Okay. So the original chart. Uh, so I, I guess I'll start off with a little bit of history. Bob Dameron. Uh, so, so yeah, we have square dancing and everything, and that's kind of where everything started, but it blew up in the 70s. And um, all these uh, kink and fetish stores started selling bandanas and everything, and this dude named Bob Dameron publishes a book that he sells, which is called Bob Dameron's Address Book. And it's just his book of the best cruising spots in America. If you don't know what a cruising spot is, it's just relatively safe spaces for gay men to meet up for casual sex, uh, especially in a time like the seventies. It's very, very difficult to do. Things are getting worse with the AIDS epidemic and everything, especially coming in the eighties and nineties. And so having spaces which are relatively safe are few and far in between. So he has his address book. He self publishes and we're not talking Kindle self publishing. This hasn't happened yet. Like he is printing these and selling every copy himself. And in it, he has his hanky code. And this is for the original place where this is codified. And the and, hanky code was, let's talk about safety. The yeah. hanky code was part of that too, yeah. right? So it, it was very dangerous in the 70s and 80s, not as safe to be out as it is now. And even now, depending on where you're at in the country, it's not always super safe to be out. But um, this was really in a time where being out was not super safe. And so um, you've got these really masculine looking folks, a lot of them for the most part, but they want to signal to other men like, hey, we're in this club together. Like we're in it together. We're cruising. And when we're cruising, we're down for certain kinds of things because we're not just gay. We're also kinky. We're also into some BDSM stuff. Because gay people, uh, so I should uh, uh, definitely say that uh, Angel and I are both part of the LGBT community. Yes, we're both queer. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I'm not saying so I can say, but gay people can be assholes too. And so <laughs> yes. um, when we start going into what some of these flags mean, I mean, we already talked about Bruce Springsteen and not everybody wants a fist up their butt, even if they're gay, right? Probably a very small percentage of gay people want a fist up their butt, right? And so the type of animosity that a gay person might be faced with from a straight person who doesn't know any better. Or from a gay person who's just not being kind. Maybe similar to, I was going to say, like from a gay person who does not even want to think about fisting because they think it's wrong in some way. Yeah. And so being. Or because it doesn't suit them or whatever. And so. Being able to very, uh, in a very nuanced way, subclassify yourself in a way just to stay safe, yeah, was so, was very necessary. So yeah, so it's 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 important. To, it was important to have a subtle way for folks to ask for what they wanted, or at least open the door to the conversation. Yeah, I think because it also gave a language, um, or it was kind of like a a group recognition of the fact that. If you saw a flag flying that wasn't your color, that it was totally cool, that, that it was a, easier just to ignore it. Mm -hmm. um, to make a thing out of it. Exactly. So, so because okay. you're not in a rest stop bathroom, 
you know, getting your nipples twisted. Exactly. All of a sudden when you don't want to. Exactly. It's no one has to make an assumption. You've taken away that that fear of asking the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. Like Okay, so uh the 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 code is codified in this book. Dameron. Yes, Bob Dameron. Uh, in his address book, and with very easy, cheap global manufacturing of textiles, you got very, very cheap handkerchiefs. All the shops had them. You could get them like at any sex shop or any fetish shop, any gay shop and everything. And th- they would tell you what they're for, or you would have this book and you would buy them and go along and you would have these dozen. And even this original dozen is pretty wild. I think. So I don't know if you've seen the original dozen. Go ahead and say it. And what we'll do is we'll also post it. Yeah. Uh, we'll post a list in the notes. So just keep in mind that with any of these colors, uh, if you wear the flag on your left side, you are typically the giver of the action. And if you wear it on the right side, you are the receiver of the action. So we call it top and bottom. Exactly. So you're a top if you wear it on the left, a bottom if you wear it on the right. Yep. So black, sadomasochism. Dark blue, anal sex, light blue, oral sex, green, a sex worker. So on the left side, you would be considered a John. Yeah, you're looking uh, for a, a sex worker. Or something, yeah. And then on the right side, you would be a sex worker. Uh, gray would be bondage. Purple would be piercing. And I don't know if that was like, you would like to be pierced in a scene or if you are into piercings. Into piercings. Into piercings. Uh, red is fisting. Orange Either anything goes, which, or on the right side is nothing now, just cruising, which we talked about earlier. And I guess with anything goes, they were able to label it that because you're you're a switch. Yeah, and I think maybe the anything means out of the other eleven things. Maybe, yeah, but I think it also implies like you would be willing to top or bottom. Yeah, Uh, and then the right side be like, no, I'm out. I'm just window shopping right now. Doesn't actually mean anything goes. Yeah, (laughs) and then uh, yellow and brown. Yellow is. We can guess what yellow and brown is. Why? Why would we no, guess? Just, Let's not guess. Yeah, yellow is, is yellow is like piss play or yep, golden water showers, sports. water sports, and then uh, brown is scat play. Scat play. So, fast forward forty years. There are how many now? I counted sixty-five in the chart that I saw, but I did just today see a larger chart, which is subdivided just like to an extreme that. I think it's, I think it's reaching the point of being like a hobbyist now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think though, like that kind of goes into discussions about like behavior and identity anyway. And so this is all just behavior. Wait, when you said a hobbyist, what do you mean? Like the people doing it are hobbyists? Oh, I, I mean, when, when a type of culture allows their interest to become incredibly mainstream uh, no opposite uh where they they further subdivide into very very niche mm. areas and everything and, and so so you start to see that in a lot of different hobbies where somebody isn't just into trains X. they're into this train yeah. from this part of the history yeah things. exactly yeah. you have h tracks o tracks ho tracks oh, all that kind of okay. stuff okay when you said hobbyist that was maybe like an interesting way to put it I thought I was thinking you meant like 
someone who's just dabbling. Oh, okay. Yeah, and no, I was like, yeah, sense. if you're just, a lot of people are just dabbling anyway. So I want to make that clear that like oh, yeah. a lot of this is just dabbling. Like you can be into a behavior and not have it be a part of your identity or not have it be something you do all the time. And so that's not what he meant by hobbyist was like, oh, they're too super casual. Like some of this is, a lot of this is super casual for people and that's okay. And that's why the hanky code helps because it's written down somewhere what all these things mean. And so really a hanky code is like a yes, no, maybe list. Yeah, it really is. So, oh, it's a yes list. Well, or a no list because whatever, because like people wear multiple hankies. What you're not wearing is a no, maybe, or a maybe, right? And so a yes, no, maybe list is essentially a bank of words, things like this, a bank of activities. And you say, yes, I like to do that activity, or maybe I could be into that activity, or no, I don't want to do it. So I'll put a link to a yes, no, maybe list in the show notes. But uh, a hanky code is just a way of establishing consent. It's a way of saying, and now just because now again, just cause someone's wearing a hanky doesn't mean they consent to do the thing with you. But what it says is this is a thing I have an interest in. And so someone else who also has that interest now knows like, Oh, this is something we share. And so now we can discuss if this is a thing we want to do with each other. So just because somebody's wearing a hanky doesn't mean that they're a yes to you. It just means that they oh. like doing this thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause I think that's another thing too, is you're not cruising looking for, if I'm into water sports, I'm not cruising looking for anybody with a yellow hanky. And then I, and then that's a yes that they're going to, you're not looking for piss. You're looking, looking for, for a people. piss partner. Yes. I'm partner. looking for, yeah. I'm looking for a piss partner. Yeah. Exactly. I'm looking for people yeah. and those people happen to be into piss or okay. whatever. And so, yeah. Uh, this is an interesting place to point out the uh, original or one of the original thoughts of this podcast was um, that, uh, you know, An Angel is a board certified sex educator and I am married to Angel and those are my credentials. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so this uh, podcast was originally going to be that uh, Angel teaches me about uh, historical sex ed stuff. And that's definitely going to be the the case. But when it also comes to just general sex ed, like what you saw just here, that DNA definitely still runs through <laughs> and, and you're going to see that pop up a lot. Well, I, that was my, that's my favorite part of the hinky code. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea that a whole culture is built up around pride in pleasure yeah. Okay. So like pleasure is a subversive act. This goes back to two things. Like it also goes to things like, um, like the way that queer folks have sex in general. So queer folks don't have the same scripts for sex that straight people have. And so what I mean by sex that is just penis and a vagina, right? Except it's not. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's fine. That's why it's funny. Like, okay. So that's exactly the point I'm trying to make is that these scripts that we have for sex socially are based on how straight people have sex to procreate. And so that's a penis going in a vagina and the person, the man with the penis ejaculating and that that person or that ejaculation eventually at some point over time results in babies. And so that's the script around that, that is built up around sex. And it doesn't matter if you are a queer person or if you are a straight person, it doesn't matter if you're cisgender or transgender, that's the script you got for what sex looked like is that a penis goes in a vagina and the penis ejaculates and that's when sex is done. And like, that's the whole script. And so if you're a queer person having queer sex, that doesn't apply to you for a number of reasons. The idea of pregnancy may or may not be of any importance to you. It may not even apply based on how your body's made up. You may or may not be even working with a penis and a vagina. You might be working with two vaginas. You might be working with two penises. You might be working with a whole slew of genitalia, right? In terms of like group sex. 
I realized how it sounded after I said it. Like just, just one Please person with like, third with like, <laughs> well, I mean, there's genital variety, but that's yes, no, I meant right. like, um, I was referring less to, um, variation in genitalia and more in numbers. <laughs> so group sex. Um, but yeah, so, so queer folks having sex, it seems we, 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 hypersexualized queer folks because queer sex seems adventurous if the only script you've ever been given for sex is a straight script. But really what this is, is this is a group of people who have said those scripts don't work for us. And throughout time, queer folks have said those scripts don't work for us. But this is one of the ways that this community has said, so what is the script that we want to write? And they wrote, literally wrote scripts for what sex would look like in this community. So if you're part of this community, you now have some scripting around what behavior might look like. And these behaviors aren't inherently queer, but they're all pleasure-based. And pleasure is a very subversive and radical act when you're taught your whole life that sex has nothing to do with pleasure, when you're not taught to equate the two things. And so here, this is all about sex and activity for pleasure. And that gets very associated with queer folks for a lot of reasons. And I like that this community, I, I like, I really love the whole idea of the hinky code because there's a whole language built around sexual pleasure. And the most amazing sex you can have is sex that's built around pleasure. I think that in my reading of the things that the hinky code means is that it's completely revolved around pleasure and casual sex. Like I saw that list today. I said earlier of like over a hundred different colors and everything. And not a single one of them was long-term relationship, no. you know, you know, a uh, monogamous partner, that type of thing. I, I think that the, the entire point of the hanky code is the, the casual play. And I, I was about to say not casual sex, but, but really when it comes to casual play, there, there's nothing that was left off. I mean, there's, you know, oral, anal, even just digital, like hand jobs and everything like yeah. that. And, um, um, there's, there's a hanky, uh, there's a hanky code, um, designator for people who like the way armpits smell. There's a hanky code designator for people who like to role play like animals. There is a hanky code for people who like to, I mean, it is play mm -hmm. like it's pleasure and play. And it's a whole ex and the, that's part of why it's expanding too, is the broader it's, it's about sex kind of, but it's about play. And so the, the more we're willing to include in our definitions of the ways, the intimate ways that, a, that sexual adults play together, right? Whether or not that involves orgasm, whether that or not that involves penetration, whether or not that even involves genitalia is sort of secondary. The broader our definitions of pleasure and the broader our definitions of, of play for intimate adults, the more hanky code lines show up, the more nuanced it gets. And so you talk about it drills down to subset and subset and subset and subset. And that could be looked at as like, Ooh, that's a lot. Is that excessive? I think it's fucking beautiful. I think it's very cool to think about this whole culture of people who have prioritized play and consent language and pleasure in such a really beautiful and neat and articulate way. Yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because um, it, with uh, people outside of the community, um, you see a lot of folks who look down on that type of mentality, that type of play mentality uh, when it comes to sex because of the type of education that we were given. Now, 
it's not saying that these people are against play in general, but because because it has to do with sex, they are against against play and that aspect when they might not be if they were going to their local game shop and they wanted to play D and D with with a group of people and they're like, hey, I'm a multi class barbarian rogue. And I was seeing if that there's anybody that could use me. I'm a level 20 and I think I can have a lot of fun, you know, and this person is a sysadmin and is not a barbarian or a rogue, you know, (laughs) and they're completely fine to take on these roles and to wear it in a shirt and make it part of their, yeah, how they meet new people. And, you know, it's funny. I think it has a lot to do with how, and I know you were kind of saying this and and I'm just um, agreeing how we were raised to talk about sex, because when we looked at some of the feedback from um, some of the workshops we did with the comedians, some people really loved that we had comedians at the sex ed workshops and thought it was great that there was lightheartedness in play. And some people thought it was inappropriate to have comedians at a sex ed workshop. Because it's serious business. Because it's serious business and you treat it seriously. And I don't think either preference is wrong. I think that it tells me a little bit about how it tells me a little bit about because in in none of the cases did people feel like the content shouldn't be covered. Right. Or that we had to um you know not say certain things. It was just some folks perceived the presence of a comedian as us not taking the content as seriously where other folks perceived the presence of a comedian as us bringing some play into the situation. And both seem really valid to me and both seem really like valid perspectives, but very different. And it says to me that these are some folks who grew up really taking this conversation very seriously and really being like, okay, we have, this is something that we, you know, we don't joke about certain things. And other folks who maybe are okay, like not taking it so seriously or not taking themselves so seriously around it. And I just think that's kind of a little bit of what you're getting at now, too. And it doesn't mean those people don't have pleasure or play in their activity. But it's interesting to think about how we associate play with sex. Um, do you think that that has to do with that there may be more trauma associated with sex than with other types of play. And it might not even be like assault trauma. It could be, I mean, the the fact that, okay, so sex is a part of everybody's life. Even if they are not sexually active with other people, sex is still a part of everybody's life. And everybody has a sexuality. Exactly. And we are not raised with that type of mentality. And so we are, educated in a way that pulls against that type of natural or against against nature yeah right and even if it's like in school or the church or the parents that type of message may not be traumatizing but could have an effect of you know, where it needs to be serious. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, it is traumatizing. It is serious. And suddenly when we're doing a workshop on consent and we have a comedian there, they're, they're not making any jokes about consent or anything about that, but they're still there to lighten the mood um, on on what, what might be a sensitive subject. 
I think it's a really insightful way to think about it. Yeah, it's absolutely one of the many reasons that people may not feel comfortable um, talking about sex in a playful way. And again, that doesn't mean these people aren't willing to have sex that is playful, but just conversations where we talk about sex and play together. I think that it's this idea of, yeah, this is serious to me for whatever reason. Maybe there's trauma built around it, or maybe I respect, I have a kind of respect for it. And to me, respect and play don't go together or whatever it is. I think there's lots of reasons, but I think trauma could definitely be one of them. Um, Whether that's I experienced a trauma or whether that's it was the way I was raised was traumatizing or whether it's the culture I was raised in was traumatizing or whether it's the environment that I've always had conversations around sex have looked a certain way and that that has stuck with me, like whatever that is. But yeah, I think it's insightful to consider that for some people, the reason that play and sex don't go together is some history of trauma with the topic. Absolutely. And if you don't remember from about looking at the timer about 30 minutes ago, I started this derail Mm. because of uh, talking about the orange handkerchief where on the left is anything goes and on the right is down for or no. Yeah, not down for anything. Left is down for anything. Right is is nothing. And I was uh, and Angel said that. Uh, that could get really confusing. And I wanted to lay a little bit of groundwork for what it looks like today. Because Orange was part of that Bob Dameron original dozen, right? Yes. And if you pull up your list of what we have today, I just want to point out that uh, I don't know if anybody has ever ordered anything online. (laughs) <laughs> and not received exactly <laughs> what, what they, they thought they were looking for, what at. they were looking for. But you go and you order a handkerchief because you want to <laughs> signal what you're into. And then you look at the chart and realize that there is different things for dark pink, mauve, fuchsia, and magenta. Dark pink <laughs> is for tit torture. Mauve is a navel fetish or worshiper. Like your belly button. Yeah. Fuchsia is for spanking and magenta is for armpits. Yes. What I liked was going back to orange. (laughs) So talking about orange. Oh, God. Properly orange is anything, anytime or nothing now, just cruising. Apricot, which is like an orange yellow, I guess is for um, folks who have like a fat fetish. Um, coral, which yes. is like, <laughs> coral is like, a, I guess like a, and, and, a pinkish uh, we, we orange. Po- we will post a link to this chart, this chart. In, the, in the description, but orange and coral is the exact same eyedropper color. Yes, yeah. So, but I'm gonna say like coral in real life has like a little bit of pink to it. So it's for toe, like toe fetish. And then rust. We had the cowboy discussion. Let's go back to the gold rush for a minute. A rust handkerchief <gasps> is for a cowboy or the cowboy's horses. horse. There are horses. There are horses. I told you. Oh, that just makes me so happy. All right. So what else we got? Do you have any opinions on whether or not the origins were San Francisco or New York? Because the internet doesn't agree. Wait, are we talking like 1970s San Francisco, New York, or 18 or 1750s, 1850s 
San Francisco, New York. Well, that's what I mean. Do you, the proper origin. Like we said San Francisco. Oh, are we saying 1850 San Francisco or 1970s New York? Yeah, I think so. Like, do you have any opinions on if the gold rush is the proper origin to the hinky code as we know it? Um, it's impossible to say uh, what the person in the 1970s knew. So if it's it's entirely possible that they read something about a 1850s hanky code in San Francisco. Um, and said, oh, hey. And said, hey, that's a great idea. I could, I could start that, but for what's going on today. Yeah, for sure. Or it could be a wild coincidence separated by over a century, which is also... Totally possible and true. Oh, I mean, because, I mean, the thing is the... I wasn't able to find any, uh, what's it called when um, your references are from the place itself, first something? Like a primary source versus secondary primary source. source. Yes. I, I couldn't find a primary source yeah. for the gold rushing, but I found a lot of different places talking about it. And a, and a, and a few published books uh, who mentioned it. Uh, but uh, obviously the things from the 1970s are all published and yeah. you can still buy them today. Like, like you can go up and you can look up, uh, Bob Dameron yeah, and everything. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not sure you can find 2021's cruising spots. Yeah. COVID. All right. <laughs> oh, well, and geez. that's what I was going to oh. mention. Oh yeah. The, the, oh, what were you going to mention? COVID and the hanky code. What were you going to say? I was going to say that there's, it's been a lot more popular. Um, not a lot more popular. There's been a resurgence to hanky code really um i don't know about this i don't know if resurgence is the right word but i read some fun articles talking about hanky code wearing your hankies as masks oh so, yeah which i think we mentioned in aaron's bit yes, so we don't have right. to go too far into it yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's some custom mask making if you're like into a bunch of stuff especially to fit all on one side of the mask that's true. Yeah, if you are, if you're into, hold on, let me pull up the current chart. Let's say you're into. If um, you're if you're into getting your armpits sucked, you don't want to accidentally make people think that you want to suck them pits. No, you have to get it right. Yeah. So. But I I did think about like you know uh, where we live in the south. <laughs> there's not going to be. A big community of hanky flyers. Like, Not like, a huge one, no. Yeah, like I'm people sure waving, it exists. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people will wave the flags, but I feel like in this town, it's more cosplay than anything. What do you mean? That Angry you, letters. Yeah, I'm going to say, but um, in 1970s New York, you wear your codes. You, you, you wear your flags. Or maybe today, or maybe in 2021, you go to Folsom Street Fair. Mm-hmm. Right, you wear your flags, yeah. Right, and you're saying this is what I'm going for, and you're putting out that billboard advertisement, and everybody's speaking that common language and everything for that language to work uh, in an effective way. You need the the signifier and the signified, you know, what you're putting out there and what people are getting to be to match up, right? And this is not a great town for or a great area for that to be highly effective compared to other 
ways. Yeah. It's just not an effective way of getting your message out there. You're going to be wearing handkerchiefs out there and you might get somebody to recognize what you're talking about. But next week that pool is dry because everyone who saw it at the one bar we have left has already seen it. And you're not going to get anything yeah. else out of it. Those conversations are happening online. They're not, you're not cruising with handkerchiefs in your I was, pocket. I was saying with like apps like Grinder and everything. Um, but you still use the code. Like they still use the code. They just don't use it in hankies. They don't. They call it tribes in Grinder, And so in Grinder, you can categorize yourself by tribe, which is top bear bottom daddy. it's not just that no you would still say like you flag magenta or you would say like you flag yellow or you would say like you would still oh, you use put that it in the description yes you'd put it in your description you would still say or you would even put like those color schemes depending on what app you were using like there's the, like the hanky code still exists as a concept but because it's all online you say i'm uh you know, I'm an otter who flags magenta or whatever, right? And so you would say, I don't know why I like magenta's in my head. It's, just, it's really pretty. What is magenta? Armpits. Uh, magenta's armpits? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so... Would you say flag magenta left? No, no, no you because, might say because, your bottom. Well, I mean, I guess in your profile, you have top, bottom, verse, switch. And so you, you might just imply yeah. at that point. Yeah. So I think, but, but I know that the code still exists, which is how all the, why we have a modern version of it. Yeah. But yeah, there's diff, like here, the culture of like literal physical cruising, putting it in your pocket. Yeah. And like literally physically going out and cruising looks a little bit different than it looks in a bigger city or in a city with more. I mean, we just closed down one of our last, the, the biggest, like our biggest um, gay bar in town just closed. And so there's not a ton of, and, and that really ex says a lot about the, and some of that was COVID and some of that was a very shifting culture here. And some of that was the popularity of online cruising. And some of that was people traveling out of town to cruise because the community here is small enough that it can feel a little incesty sometimes mm -hmm. to date in this, in the part of town, that in the part of the South that we're in, it can feel a little tight, small, and so this stuff is going to shift from culture to culture, but a lot of things do. We talk about this all the time and that's something to keep in mind as you listen to this show or any other show, the way we talk about this stuff is going to be definitely colored by where we live, by our personal backgrounds. Um, so even my air quotes credentials as a sex educator, I still can't escape the other things about me that intersect with that the ways that I am queer, how old I am, the fact that I'm a white person, um, the fact that I was socialized and raised as a woman. Um, so there's lots of things that shape the way that I move through the world, the way that I see the world, the way that information crosses my path and the way that I absorb it. Steve has his own um, things that shape how he absorbs information. Geographically, we're in a part of the world that's using language a certain way. So I want to keep people to keep in mind that we're using language a certain way and we're talking about things in a certain way and it's always going to be through a certain lens and we're going to do our best to pull back and provide as much of a 
wide of as wide of a net as possible when we talk about these things. Yeah, we'll use as universal language as we have access to. Yeah, yeah. but it's okay if you're listening and you're like, that's not how we talk about that here. Or I'm in this community and we might say that a little bit differently. Like, let us know, you know, teach us. If, you, if you're hearing something and we said something in a way that you think, you know what, I might've said that differently. Like, let us know that. And maybe it's an issue of geography. Maybe it's just an issue of education on our part. Neither one of us knows everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff, we're gonna, especially the nature of this show, part of the reason we wanted to do the show this way is we wanted a chance to learn some fun new things. And so I can bring what I know about sex education into the show, which is a lot of things, but I'm learning new things to be able to record the show. And so the ways that we talk about certain communities and the way that we talk about certain behaviors, we're learning it too. So if you're a member of these communities or you're learning this stuff and you are like, Hey, I would have maybe said that differently, or I would have worded that differently. Like, please, you know, let us know, be kind to us, but let us know. And we want to hear from you. And we want to give that caveat that if you hear later someone say, oh, well, you know, I'm in this community, we do this X, Y, Z, don't argue with them and say, oh, well, the sex ed speakeasy folks say it this way. Like, definitely we want to educate, we want to learn, we want to do our best, but we don't want to argue with people in their own communities about how their communities should use language. So, you know, we want to provide good tools and good resources and, um, be a good, a good resource for you, but we are not the only resource you should be accessing. Yeah. We're not canon. Yeah. yeah. No, we're going to do our best to just relay some good but we're trying our best, yeah. content. So, so that's it for our show this week. Thank you for staying with us on our inaugural episode, man. Those Harvey wall bangers are banging me against the wall. They are um, banging. I know. I'm feeling them. But I'm feeling it good. I feel warm. My tum tum feels warm. Steve can't taste them. Yay, COVID. We we don't have it. we don't have COVID. We had COVID. We're both we we were fully vaccinated when we got it. <laughs> we got it from our we we one of our children um was not old enough to get vaccinated at the time, brought it home from school and we got breakthrough cases and um <laughs> we got very, very, very sick. And I will tell you, we stayed out of the hospital thanks to the vaccine. We're very happy. And so please go get vaccinated and stay safe, wear your masks, do all the things because it will help. I promise. Even if you do get COVID, it will be better and easier if you have been vaccinated. But I say that to say it has made us a little dumber. Yes. (laughs) And it's really ruined specifically Steve's sense of taste and smell. There are some things. And my vocabulary. Oh, that's the dumber part. Yeah. For sure. The brain fog is I think the most ling- the brain fog and the fatigue are the most lingering symptoms. Um, so hopefully these will get these episodes will get more interesting and exciting and fun to listen to as we recover from COVID and get further and further away from our COVID um journey. But So for next week, um Nope. For the next episode. For the next episode. Uh in two weeks, hopefully. I, I I don't know if this is going to spoil what might be uh, the next episode's not no longer culturally relevant divergent uh, divergence divergence yes, but babe, what have you ever seen The Village by M Night Shyamalan? <laughs> I have. Yeah, so you know it's like this very enclosed group of people who don't know anything of the outside world and they're afraid to leave and everything. And then when somebody finally gets out, they see that it's an entirely new world and everything like that. Yes. 
We're going to see what happens when that happens to the world. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm so excited. The next episode is going to be what dating is like in the industrial revolution. Sounds boring, Promise but think it's about not. it. Think about it for hundreds of, well, no, it was thousands of years since the agricultural revolution. Everybody's been living in their villages. Everyone's been M. Night Shyamalaning. <laughs> and suddenly they're all crammed to these cities together. They're all hot and horny in the factories. And dating is going to change forever. And we're going to dive deep into that and into our new cocktail. So we hope to see you there. I love the sell you're giving this because yes. when I said dating in the industrial revolution, you looked at me like I had three heads. So I like seeing that you're on board with the idea because that's really, this is why I pitched it. Yes. So I'm very excited. So yes, uh, thanks Steve for the hanky coat idea. That was his. Thank me for what I'm sure will be a fun episode when we talk about dating in the industrial industrial revolution everybody give big thanks to aaron for our cocktails if you tried the harvey wallbanger or the harvey wallbang him or any other iteration uh please let us know the harvey wallbang them if you tried any iteration of this drink let us know what you did let us know how you liked it if you have ideas for something you want us to talk about on the show we would love to hear from you so please let us know we'll put all the information in the show notes for how to do that so head over to the show notes or head to tickle.life slash podcast and get all the information please review us on apple podcasts if you would like to send us any, any information you can email us at podcast at sexedspeakeasy.com all right there. thank you everybody yes bye